Iowa. Sydney. Hey. It's Bree. <laughs> I love our our creepy cell phones these days tell me that. <laughs> well, well there you go. <laughs> Thanks for waiting on me. Oh, you're fine. It's I'm all over the place. I feel like anytime people ask me to schedule something, I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm all over all the time. It is a lot of pressure to make a schedule or like an appointment. For me, it is. I always feel pressure when you make an appointment. I make an appointment to do something because you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't look that far. <laughs> exactly. Like, who knows what's going to come up in the day? <laughs> Play it by ear is my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. So I wanted to just take a second to talk to you because you kind of get, um, you're in the best of both worlds. Like, your work. <laughs> is affiliated with what you get to do for fun and sure. you know well not not necessarily all fun but I mean what I'm saying is that you know you get the show and then you get to work in the horse industry too so is that something that you just kind of fell into or is that something you've always wanted to do um, I was pretty deliberate with it <laughs> I started in the healthcare field and was in that direction for six or seven years and realized oh, wow. it was really hard um, to one, afford horses, and two, be able to travel and show and go ride in Ohio and do all the things I wanted to do, and I should be seeing patients every day. So um, I just started thinking about it and thinking about something else that I could do, and I reached out to a friend, and I was like, hey, um, I kind of want to make a change that allows me more freedom with the horses, and what do you think about real estate? And it's my friend and broker now, and she's like, heck yeah. You'd be so good at it. Do it. And so I just jumped in. Well, how cool is that? Yeah, it worked out. I mean, it's been a roller coaster, and it's been a lot of work, and I've learned a lot, but it worked out really nicely, and I love it. A lot of people do, you know, you hit on something, because I've got not real estate background like you, but I did a bunch of graphics for the real estate industry for years and years and years, and a lot of people think it's a very easy industry to get into. <laughs> it, it's not. It's hard work. No. It's very it's hard, hard work. work. <laughs> yes. It definitely is. I know I have, you know, everyone sees what we put on social media, which is the good stuff, because we want it to come off that way, and yeah. everyone's like, oh my gosh, like your first couple of years, you're doing so well. I want to get my real estate license, and I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot more than what I put on Instagram, but let's do it. <laughs> I just had a conversation about this very thing like a couple of weeks ago with a lady because um, somebody had made the comment to me. They were like, uh, you don't make any mistakes. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, no, I make a ton of mistakes. Right. But you just choose to put the best face forward is how I look at it. You know, like sure. you want to put the best stuff out there. It's not like you're hiding anything. But Right, no, right. And I feel like there's such a balance between being real, like absolutely show your mistakes or show the funny stuff or show things that happen. But, I mean, it's marketing at the end of the day, right? Like we're supposed to put out there what people want to see. Everyone wants to see the good stuff on social media these days. So we're not going to put out, like you said, all the mistakes or all the hard times. Right. You also don't want to come off in a certain way of like, wow, all she does is complain about how hard this is. <laughs> Right, yeah, no, and social media, well, it was just another monster in itself. It's something uh -huh. I've had to kind of work on is social media has no context. So you cannot control the way it is perceived, especially yep. in an emotional manner. Because, you know, mm -hmm. somebody could put something out there and be like, God, I, I hate this chicken nugget. And they could be like laughing about it, but somebody exactly. could look at it and be like, oh, you know, you can't control the way somebody perceives things on social media. It's, it's a right. challenge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in the same breath, 
people are going to see it exactly how they want to see it based on like their mood and what they're thinking at that moment. Like even if there is enough kind of context, like you just can't control what people want to read or see or hear. Exactly, exactly. And so you show Rainers. Have you always shown Rainers? No, I grew up in a hunter-jumper world. So I started riding when I was like four years old at a friend's house um, and then took lessons and got more serious about it. Going into high school and always did English, always loved the hunters and equitation, rode in college, and then I moved to Tennessee and could not really find anywhere to ride and I just wasn't really enjoying it. Felt like I kind of plateaued, but I was in school and couldn't afford a high-end hunter horse. So um, I showed alumni for my college through the University of Tennessee and a girl on the UT team was like, hey, have you ever tried raining? And I was like, nope, not, not even thought about it one time. And she was like, you should come with me. And I did, and it was so hard, and I was immediately addicted. It, I, I'm very intim. I'm not intimidated by a lot of them, but when I look at Rainers, it just looks so. Hard's not the right word. It's a difficult style of riding. Like it's yes. not as easy as. And I don't not trying to put down the other disciplines by any sure. means, but it's hard to ride a Rainer. That's all. Oh yeah. Much, right. Oh yeah. It is. It's so challenging, and I think it's. I mean, not necessarily that they're hard to ride because they're such broke horses, like especially comparing yeah. them to the hunter-jumpers I grew up on, but doing it well is very challenging because they're so broke. Like you, I mean, Brandon made a joke one time. Someone got on my horse when he was getting ready to show her. Like she was in Brandon mode, and he was like, don't fart or she'll take off. Like they're <laughs> so broke and so sensitive that, I mean, literally you look a certain direction and they're going. So it is very challenging because they're so athletic, but you have to be so precise. But I think that's what makes it so addicting. Yeah, yeah, they're real sensitive. And I've always mm-hmm. thought, I mean, it's easier to go from an English seat or background to Western mm-hmm. than it is to go Western to English because I tried to make that English when I was younger, and I was like, no, I got props, y'all, because my legs are killing me. Like, it's way right, harder Right, right, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a whole different world of balance. I will say, yeah. though, like, well, I do think it taught me a lot of balance, and I think it helped me a lot, like with my feel, because you feel so much of the horse compared to mm-hmm. a Western saddle. I cannot break my position. It's something I've been fighting for years. Like, I look at pictures of myself showing, and I'm like, oh, my God, my equitation's annoying. I don't look like a rainer. <laughs> now, it takes um, – so, well, you are at – you're at the branch. Your horse yes. is there. That's where you go. Like, they – okay. Um, and your husband is Logan, right? Yes. Right. Okay. So he, they just went and showed at the security. Mm-hmm. And you got to go? Yeah. I, he was out there the whole time with the brands, and I had to work. So I flew in and out, and I got to watch him ride in the rookie of the year. Um, and then he qualified for the shootout. So I missed that. But I saw his first run. Well, that's super cool. You both do it. Oh, yeah. He, he told me that he got sick of watching me, and he was bored. And his words were, how hard can this be? And then similarly, it's so challenging, and we both have that kind of personality where it's like, I can do it. I can figure it yeah. out. Or or he's more, I can do it. I can figure it out. And I'm more, I need to do it, and I need to figure it out because I'm challenged. Like, he's a conqueror, and I'm like, I've got to get, I've got to get this down. But So he got into it because he was sick of sitting around watching me ride. 
Do y'all have a friendly competition with each other or no? I wouldn't even call it friendly. We're very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I've been riding my whole life, so I have the upper hand for the most part, but we're very competitive. That's, that's kind of fun, though, to be able yeah. to have that, you know, yeah. so oh, yeah. fresh. So mm-hmm. he's ahead of you now, though, right? Uh, no, I mean, I have one more money than he has, and we're, we're in different classes, like different levels, so, I mean, he's, he's definitely come a long way super fast, and I tell him all the time, I'm like, there are days where we could go in the same class and you could beat me, um, he's got a great horse, but I still, I'm still ahead of him. <laughs> so, now, the reigning levels, I'm like an idiot when it comes to this, so don't oh, laugh there's at me. so I, many. <laughs> understand the whole level one is actually I don't want to say lower but level four is higher right so it goes yep. down yes yes so and there's like I mean within the levels there are different categories of classes so okay. generally you have like a few different youth classes based on age and then you it starts with green rainer and that's like your entry level people have never shown and it goes to rookie and this is all for non-professionals. And then it goes into the non-professional category. And there's limited, intermediate, and non-professional, or like non-pro. Mm-hmm. And that's your general classes. But then when you look at, I'm bad at the categories too, if you look at like the bigger money categories, like the futurities and the derbies, then they have the level one, level two, level three, level four within the non-pro. It is a lot to try to. Yes, and then separately they have it for the open too. Then there's the limited open, intermediate open, open, also rookie pro, but then in their money, like bigger money classes, they have level one, level two, level three, level four. Because I was like looking on the website like this past weekend trying to like, I didn't get to watch any of it, but I kept trying to go to the website to like check up on stuff and try to figure it out. And I was like, I'm just going to shoot my brain out now because it's yes. way too much. I so do not understand what I'm looking at. Yes. I mean, like I said, people are really good about knowing the handbook and knowing the categories, and I just lean yes. on the people around me because there it's like category two versus category six, and your earnings in this category count toward this but not that, and then it's only based on the year before, but then this category is based on the last so many years. Like, I just, I'm like, can I Google check my eligibility so I know what I can show it? <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> Just tell me what to do. Point and go. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's cool. So do you miss um, doing any of the hunt seat stuff, or do you? would you ever go back to it? I do miss it. I don't know that I would go back to it. Um, I do miss aspects of it, but I just feel like I got to a point that I needed such a specific horse, and and that was when I was in grad school, and it was never going to happen, and so I kind of got to start from the bottom with reining and work my way up, and I think that I miss the jumping, like the adrenaline rush of jumping, of course, but I think reining is exhilarating enough that it's replaced that. Like, I think if I would have gotten to, like, the pleasure world or something, I would really miss it, but reining is fast and exciting and challenging enough that it's it's filling the need. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to know what it felt like to do, like, a slide. Oh, Does it yeah. feel like the horse is going to come out from underneath you? It totally depends on the horse. Like, there are some horses that I've ridden that, yeah, I thought that I was going to literally just fly off the back because they stopped so deep. And then there are some horses that, like my big bald face horse, he's a very smooth stopper. So you kind of just, I mean, almost don't feel anything. 
And then there's my mare is a very aggressive stopper. And it's all it's hard to sit because she stops so powerfully and hard. So it's definitely dependent on each horse. They all have a different style and like a different way that they get in the ground and a different feel. Like sometimes you get on a horse and stop, you're like, whoa, that felt so cool. Like that was not what I expected. Yeah. It would probably feel a lot more intense on the horse compared to looking at it because if, oh, yeah. if I sat on one and tried to slide, it'd be like, oh, my God, that's a slide, and it would just be Yes, <laughs> yes. I think the spins are more what get people because when you're not used to them, you get dizzy really fast. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. I've noticed, like, well, I don't know if you grew up doing, like, ballet. You know, like, ballet classes when you're young? Yeah. Like, little oh, girl yeah. classes and stuff. I did those for a little while or whatever, and, you know, that's the only thing I can think about when I see the spins because you've got to focus on something if you're doing it that quick. Like, I don't even know. Or maybe close your eyes. I mean, how do you even you, do it? Well, in the show pens, you have to shut off at such a specific spot that you're supposed to search for that spot. You're supposed to be looking ahead like at least a quarter turn to be ready when to shut off. Um, but I think it's literally just an equilibrium thing and your body gets used to it because, I mean, there are days where, you know, I'm, I'm riding with Brandon and we're working on something and I've spun 15 or 16 times to work on it in a row. And I'm like, hold on. (laughs) I feel like I'm like wobbling, going to fall off. So I think your body just gets used to it, honestly, because when I first started, I would go a couple times and be like, I'm going to fall off. (laughs) Yeah, I would. That would be hard to try to keep that going because, I mean, how do you ask them to spin? It's not like the normal, it's got to be a leg thing, right? Yeah, it's leg and hand and looking, and it just depends, I guess, on your horse and how they're trained. Right. If you want to open the leg in the direction they're going and draw your hand in the direction you're going. And, I mean, some horses are so sensitive that, like, you kind of look over your shoulder a little bit and they go. Um, so, Holy cow. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's wild. That takes <laughs> it's a wild. push button and throws it out. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's amazing when you get on horses like that. But it's also challenging because you're like, I didn't even realize I was doing this with my hand or my leg, but you're responding to it, so apparently I'm doing it. Right, yeah, no, well, that's, yeah, that's a good, ask, uh, you know, perception of it because I could see that happening, especially for me. I would be like, you know, I guess you would get to the point to where you had to be so self-aware with mm-hmm. who you are as a rider yes, in order to ride them correctly. Yes, absolutely. I know when Brandon was showing my mare and then I would get on and ride her, I'd be like, wow, I'm doing so many things with my body that I didn't know I was doing because she's so responsive that, it. I mean, it teaches you a lot and things that you don't realize you're doing. Yeah. So now for the real estate aspect of your life, you're mainly in Tennessee. Yes, I cover my brokerage is in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, I think that's it right now, working on uh, North Carolina and Florida, but I cover all of East Tennessee, so um, not, I don't go quite as far as Nashville. I can and I will, but I mostly cover Knoxville and up toward the mountains. Yeah, because I feel, well, Tennessee's pretty happening. I mean, people probably go kind of far out from Nashville anyways, because that's yep. a big, I mean, that's a big spot for you guys. Yep, it is. It's Bring in a lot of people, and it's a popular area. There's no income tax, so a lot of people want to retire here. There's no income tax in Tennessee? Mm-mm. Stop it. <laughs> Is that like the same aspect as Florida has no sales tax, right? I think I, I read know, that. Or maybe their income tax as well. Yeah, I don't remember, but that is what makes it attractive to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, yeah, it's a huge selling point. I mean, that's a huge reason. I mean, obviously, like, political climate, and then you get more space, you get a little more bang for your buck here, but the no state income tax is a big deal. Yeah, that is that. Yeah, that is very attractive. Well, I knew I knew Georgia had a part of you guys because of um, you know another customer of mine, and then Kelly. Um, oh yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. She listed that. So farm. I thought, yeah, I was trying to figure out where all you guys are. That's a pretty big area. That's pretty awesome. Yep, yep. Kelly uh, had dreams of starting a brokerage, and we kind of talked about it earlier this year. And she came to the decision. She was like, "I'm just going to do it. We're going to do it." And she's grown really fast, and it's been awesome. It's a it's a great brokerage to work for, and it has a really cool brand. Um, yeah. You know, being able to. I just embroidered it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Literally the brand. Yeah, I know. I got my jacket today. I'm so excited. Oh, um, awesome. <laughs> I know. It's perfect timing. But yeah, like just the brand behind it, it's, it's cool, like you said, to be able to intertwine the two. Like I don't only sell horse farms. I, you know, I do it all. I've sold more lake homes and cabins than I have horse farms this year just because they don't come on the market as often. People don't move yeah. to and from them as often. But it is very cool to be able to say, like, look, I have personally built two farms. I have built two barns. I know the difference in all the fencing and stall fronts and, you know, pasture space. Like, I can speak specifically to it, and it makes a big difference when, you know, a horse person is looking for a property and they're working with a an average residential realtor. They just don't even have the same terminology and understanding. So it's cool right. to kind of let my world collide when I get to do the horse farm thing. Yeah, and I didn't even think about the aspect of barns and arenas and uh, mm-hmm. event venues and things like that. You can handle all of that kind of stuff cool, too. Yep. So yep. that's pretty awesome. I had, I had someone call me on a listing uh, earlier this year, and they were like, that's a cool riding rink. And I'm like, excuse me, what did you just call this, a riding rink? Like, what? But, you know, to them, that was the right word. And yeah. to a horse person, I'm like, what are you saying? Or... Um, I know Kelly had a farm listing and someone was showing the property and they called the stalls cages and they were referring to the amount that you could charge in board and they were talking about it as rent. And I'm like, these are just the things that make an impression on your client. You know, <laughs> if I want someone to help me buy or sell a farm and you're calling my stalls cages, you obviously aren't the right fit. So, and just, you know, there are other properties that I'm not the right fit for. So it's, I'm like, hey, this is, it is kind of rent, help though, you. If you think about it. I mean, it is. It totally is. <laughs> but it's just not the word. And they are cages. You know what I mean? Like, they are like yeah. cages. But, you know, I don't talk about going and cleaning my horse's cage at the end of the day. Like, right. it's, just, it's just that familiarity that some people do and don't have. And I like being able to talk about those things and have clients who, you know, talk about different footing in their arena. And when I can respond, like, they get kind of excited. They're like, oh, my gosh, she understands, instead of people who just brush it off because it also brings a lot of value. You know, so many of these farms, the value is in the fencing, the barn, the arena, the property, and a lot less in the house. And yes. if if an agent doesn't know that, they may come in and really undervalue the property. Or, honestly, they may just take a swing at it and overvalue it because they see a bunch of space and structure. And it's just a very unique knowledge set. Yes, yes, I can see that. Kind of like with beachfront homes or 
lake homes sure. or anything yep, of that nature. Exactly. You get into anything specific. So wait, is it not called a riding ring? Because I've, I've called it a riding ring my whole life. Uh, well, so he said rink <laughs> with a K, like an ice rink. Oh, oh ring. Like a ring. Yeah, like if he would have said like, oh, the ring that they ride it. You know, me too. In the English world, we call it an arena or a ring. But yeah. he said a riding rink. And I'm like, like an ice skating rink? Like, oh. That's what got me. It was the K at the end. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not a rink. No, not a rink. <laughs> not a rink. <laughs> well, it has been a lot of new people coming into the horse industry, I think, from a lot of the people I've talked to, and just number-wise, business-wise, social media-wise. No, you yeah. Know, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah. It has brought a lot of new people. And I can see where it could be frustrating for somebody who has been in the horse industry their whole life to try to teach it, I guess, per se, or, or you know, be able to get back down on that level of when you're new. Right. So, um, but I have seen that, you know, and a lot of other people have seen that. Do you think it's going to stay like that? Do you think the industry is going to stay up like it's been? I feel like they're doing so much to promote it and just even just putting it on TV and social media has done so much for it. And I feel, I mean, I feel like yeah. it's not done yet. You know, it's the amount of people who are non-horse people buying horses and wanting farms, you know, I mean, I totally think it is the Yellowstone trend, but I don't I don't think it's over yet. Yeah. Well that's I mean, that's helpful because some people even I was just on you know, on Facebook this morning I was reading this post. This guy was talking about how fees have started to accumulate, producers are getting more um our events they are I don't want to say greedy is the wrong word, but you know, mm -hmm. there are more fees, more things like that and it's costing more to be able to actually just put aside the work aspect of having a horse. Like, you know you know what I'm talking about, cleaning oh, yeah. stalls, laying them out, and right. having them. That's a whole other part-time job in itself. Right. You haven't even gotten oh, yeah. to the part of enjoying them. <laughs> I know it. I know. And that costs a lot more. <laughs> I know. People say that all the time. They're like, you have to do what every day? I'm like, yes, I, everybody needs to eat. You know, they need to get exercise, and they need to be in a clean stall. And it's, you know, it doesn't just happen. It takes time every day. Or, you know, your horse is in training and you're paying for it. One way or the other, it's coming out. Exactly. Yeah, either in time or in money. Because exactly. I remember we used to have seven here at one point, And like I said, it's a job. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it's a, it's a job. So people don't understand necessarily how much time of work and labor, I guess, goes into having them. Because it's right. not like a dog oh, yeah. or a cat. Right, or like when people are like, oh, you know, it's a hobby. I'm like, hmm, it's a lifestyle. It's not, you know, if this was just a hobby and something I did every once in a while, like I don't, it's not like mountain biking where I just kind of go a couple days a week yeah. and I put my bike in the garage. Like you truly have to have a passion for horses because it's so demanding and I love it. And I mean, honestly, it's my drive and everything that I do, it's, created my work ethic from a young age. I know that when it's 20 degrees outside, it doesn't matter. I still have to go take care of them. I might even have to go ride them. But I have been in love with it my whole life. That It just pushes me to always be better, work harder, be a provider. You know, I don't have children, but I have to provide for my animals. I want them to have quality supplements and be in training and live in a nice barn and have the good blankets, so it, they are it, your babies. They are. Your they children. are my babies. Exactly. I did not birth them, but they are my babies. <laughs> I think I, I thoroughly, and I'm not knocking anything else at all when I say this, but I thoroughly believe that people that have grown up 
having horses like at their own place or going to a barn and working at a barn. It's a different type of work ethic to be raised in. And I think it really does shape the people that kind of grow up that way. Um, you, you just work different. I think it's a different oh, way yeah. of working, you know. Right. It's, it's, well, it's, it's in, I don't know how to say it, but like it's an optionless work. You just have to do it. Like, yeah. If you want to do it, you just have to do it. And I think that, I mean, exactly that. I think it creates this great work ethic because there's no other choice. And then, it, I mean, it weeds people out. There are the kids who, I mean, I grew up with tons yeah. of girls who had a bunch of money, and they would come up, come to the barn, their horse was tacked up, they rode, they left. And they usually didn't last very long. Like, they rode through middle school, high school, and they were done. Or there's, you know, those of us who are cleaning stalls and working at the barn so that we can get lessons and soaking up every minute of it. and It's all you want to be around. But it just creates this drive. I don't know. And I firmly agree. No, I definitely agree with you. Um, it probably sets you apart in real estate as well because, you know, real estate, it's not like you walk in there and the work's handed to you. I mean, no. it's a lot of <laughs> footwork. Yes. Yeah. No, I do. I think, I mean, I think it's just created a drive in me that I have been able to translate over. And, you know, maybe it starts as like, well, you know, I'm commission-based. I've got to pay the bills or else my horses don't yeah. eat. So that's yeah. part of it. But then it's also just in general, like, you know, I know there's stuff that has to get done every day. I know that I have to do X, Y, and Z in order to keep going with my business and growing my business or, you know, throw in the showing part. I'm very competitive. And so then I kind of look at my business competitively, too. I'm like, if they can do that, I can do that. You know, if they yeah. can do it, I can probably find a way to do it even better. So I think it it's it's translated all really well together. Like I you know, I didn't dream of being a real estate agent, but it's the horses and the real estate and everything that it's I've grown to be kind of all meshes together in a crazy way. Well, like you said, it's owning a horse is a lifestyle change. It's not like a bike or a boat or a um you know, even well, I don't even want to say dance lessons or cheering because that can be a lifestyle too, definitely. Right. I get that. But yeah. having horses is a lifestyle change. Like you can't just oh, yeah. hop up and go. You have to nope. plan so much and do so much. Oh, yeah. It, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, people, so I'm from California, and people are like, oh, why don't you go home or why don't you go on vacation? And I'm like, it's a lot to leave this farm. Like it takes mm -hmm. a lot of coordination to figure out who's feeding the horses. Are they capable of just feeding and cleaning? Is it someone I can ask to ride them? Are we going to a show where I can take some of them with us? You know, it's it's a lot. So it definitely affects more than just your day-to-day -day at home too. Now, what kind of goals do you have for reigning like next year? Oh, well, you hit me early. Normally, like New Year's Day, I've already have a, a spreadsheet written for all my horse shows and goals. But um, this year, let's see, actually, I have them written down here. I really wanted to win a local derby because this was my first time derbying. <clears throat> I got so a what, what, Well, what's the difference between derby and, like, <clears throat> security? Like, well, what's the difference? So futurity is three-year-olds, three-year-old horses. Oh, okay. And then derby is four to seven. And oh, okay. and then, you know, there's, like, in general, your shows, again, like, it's that category thing. Then there's just, like, oh, you're in a non-pro class or you're in an open class. So uh, my goals were to win a derby, which typically, so it's, my mare is six years old this year, so they have more money added. 
um, and to show at a major event. So that's like the NRHA Derby, the NRBC, some of those big, big, uh, big horse shows, not just your weekend shows, your like longer two-week yeah. shows. So um, I met both of those. I showed in a derby and I made the derby finals, or I showed at the derby and made the derby finals. And I won the Tennessee Derby and the Buckeye Derby in level one and two on both of them. Oh, so cool. That, those are my goals that I knocked out this year, which was awesome. Um, I haven't sat down and wrote them yet, but I know I have my eye on one or two major events again next year, and I think making the finals is always a huge goal. Um, I had never shown at the NRHA Derby, and I made the level four finals, and it was a huge accomplishment because um, I want well, to congratulations. say congratulations. Thank you. It was like 30 or 35 riders back, so that that was an honor to show that night. Um, and then I definitely, I mean, I want to win at least two more local derbies, even if it's the lower levels. I just, I know my mare is capable, and I like setting my goals high, and I'm excited. I think I, I see no problems with it happening. I mean, you're driven. You'll get there. You already got all the other ones that you're going to do, so it's just <laughs> a matter of knocking it off the post and keep on keep on rolling. Yeah, I hope so. It's it's fun, and, you know, it's hard, like we said, with horses. They're, they have their own brain, and they have bad days when you may or may not be having a bad day. I was talking to a friend who doesn't show horses, and it was the best explanation ever. They were like, I don't, they, they asked how my horse was, and I said, you know, we're just schooling. We're practicing. And they were like, what does that mean? I was like, it's like a scrimmage. Um, and then I was saying how I don't know if I'm going to show or not the next day. And they said, so let me get this straight. You spend all this money, all this time, you show up at your horse shows, and you just hope your horse participates. <laughs> I was like, kind of. I mean, <laughs> you now do everything you put it that you, way. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, that's actually kind of the best explanation. Like, you do the best that you can to prepare them and hope that they are as responsive as you've or your trainer has gotten them to be and you hope that they're feeling good and that you've done everything that you can to make their body feel good and hope for the best and do your best like you know you're dealing with a 1200 1300 pound animal with its own brain and you hope that you can align on the same days I think that kind of helps or doesn't that's the wrong word. I don't know what word I'm, word I'm looking for. But as far as showing in the horse industry, and I know from when I was showing and stuff like that, it kind of helps alleviate a little bit of the pressure knowing that you are working with another animal or with an animal with its own brain. Like right. you can only control so much. You cannot mm-hmm. – You, I mean, anything can happen. Right. So it's not oh, like yeah. you've got a ball in your hand or something of that oh, degree. Yeah. Exactly. So, I know. I mean, we were just talking about this at the charity. Danny Tremblay's horse fell down. They fell down. I mean, anything can happen. They can slip or they, you know, they're so powerful and athletic. They get in these positions that sometimes, I mean, I've seen tons of horses that are, like, stop really deep and they fall down and you have zero. Like, you just, you know, they weren't being bad, but anything right. can happen. Right. Yeah. It's not a bad, it's not, it can't, it's hard to get mad at, a, it's hard to get mad at a horse or get mad at a result or get mad at something of that degree when it is, when you are dealing with an animal with its own brain. Like it's not, it's yeah. not like you can sit them down and go, all right, look, I need you to do this. I need you to exactly. do that. Have a little conversation with them. You know, exactly. I know it's, it's a lot different. So, right. Right. It helps take that pressure off to not. Sure. Sure. 
but or it's, I mean, depending message. on your personality, it's, it lets you regroup and say, okay, what's next? Like, this is yeah. where it went wrong. I didn't have my horse that day. And why? Were they sore? Did I do too much leading up to it? Were they not where they needed to be mentally when I thought they were? You know, what can I do differently? So I think that it just gives you more game planning. You know, I, I'm really bad about taking pressure off. I'm really good about putting pressure on myself. But it also helps you kind of reflect back with, okay, what's next? Like, how can I move forward from this if it didn't go how I wanted to? Was it me or was it them? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's with anything in life. You've got to be able to self-reflect and kind of, you know. Well, that's the difference between people that are successful and non-successful with True. anything, not just horses, yep. but anything. You're either going to look at yourself and go, okay, let's fix this and move forward and move up and move on, or we're going to ignore it and just not do any better. But, yep. you know, yep. I choose to do better. I want to try to do better. Some people don't, but, you know, it's just agreeing with what you're saying, you know. It's something yeah. you can sit back and kind of figure out what's going on or sometimes it really is something you can't control sure yep absolutely. which can be devastating because it is a lot of money I know that's the worst part <laughs> but it's worth it because you know you get one life you might as well be doing what you enjoy and love yep yep I have me to work my butt off so <laughs> gotta afford it <laughs> right she can't go sell some homes so she can get to showing and raining and all that kind of good stuff. Exactly. You, only deal, you only deal with new buyers or do you ever deal with investment people or anything like all that? All the just... above, yes. I've okay. actually had a lot more investors than anything lately. So um, I don't know how much you know about like Gatlinburg, Tennessee, but the Smoky Mountains are a huge tourist attraction. It's one of the mm -hmm. nation's most visited national parks. And then like right outside of it, outside of the actual mountains, there's this, there's a, there's a county, and Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, they're just, it's a very highly visited area, Yeah. and tons of people buy cabins and rent them out, like Airbnb, um, yeah. and there's a very, very high rate of return, and so um, that keeps me busy. I have a lot of people, a lot of investors who buy properties as income properties and rent mm -hmm. them out, and then I've been working with a handful more uh, more mid and long term rentals. So people buying properties just to rent out in general because so many people are moving here. Not as many houses as usual are for sale, and so there's people looking to rent. Um, mm -hmm. So those type of investors, I haven't worked with a ton of like flip and renovation investors. Mm -hmm. um, but yep, first time home buyers, I work with everything. I mean. I work with, Did Airbnb I've, just change up some things, though? I thought they legally changed up some things because I thought I, I read know. something about how Airbnb is not necessarily going down, but it's harder to get those short-term permits in certain places. Yeah, um, I do think that, like, there are some tougher regulations in certain areas. I think that they're, they, they, for my understanding, is they're pretty well ironed out, like places like here where it's been in existence for a while or, like, all the beach towns that have the condos. Um, but I do know that there are some counties where there's pretty strict regulations and people don't always look into that and they expect, oh, my gosh, this would be a great place to have an Airbnb and then curveball. <laughs> yeah, and then it's hard to get a permit to do yeah. one. Which, yeah. I mean, I would rather stay at an Airbnb than a hotel. That's probably one of the reasons why is because hotels are starting to get pushed out. Why would yeah. you, you know, want to pay that rate when you can go somewhere else? Have a kitchen and, and a yard or bring your dog. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, yeah, that yeah, that's the biggest thing, probably the animal perspective of it. So many people have pets, and you can't necessarily – hotels are hard to accommodate for that. Oh, yeah. Yep. So. And I've, I've heard that makes a lot of these cabins more successful if people offer it to be pet-friendly. So, exactly, just being able – I mean, we're in, like, a generation of – obsessive dog parenting and I love it but everybody wants to bring their dogs everywhere so if you have a place that you can bring your dog then you're gonna win don't don't feel bad I, I can't have kids so I have this cat that showed up who is completely spoiled it was probably thinking I picked the wrong house and I have my another little dog and then I have you know I had another dog that passed away recently but yeah, I have another I little dog that. and he's um yeah he, he thinks he's human so <laughs> Well, they might as Why not? well be. Why not? They deserve all that love. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I'm all about pet parenting. Oh, me too. <laughs> my animals, like we said, they're my babies. I mean, I have my dog's paw tattooed on my arm. <laughs> oh, and how many do you have? To do you have, what all do you have? So Oakley passed away a year ago. She was a lab massive boxer mix. And we now have two uh, male dogs. Rogue is a full German Shepherd. And then Maverick we got from a German Shepherd Rescue. He's some sort of Shepherd mix. And I've actually uh, just signed myself up for one of Kelly's Frenchies. So I'll be getting a little Frenchie female soon. Those are everywhere. Now, I see them everywhere. They They're are so, so cute. Yeah, they are so cute. And I just got – I've never been a small dog person, but – she always explained to me that they are, like, pint-sized with big dog personalities and that they're a lot of fun, and I got reeled into it, and I'm excited. <laughs> I was thinking to say, that little Frenchie's probably going to run them Germans around. <laughs> I know. They're afraid. So we Kelly had two of her Frenchies out of futurity, and our German Shepherd, he's a huge chicken. Like, if you hear him bark, terrifying. He's right. terrifying. He's so loud. He's black. Like, he looks scary. But... Her little, well, he's not little, but he's eight or nine month old Frenchie, maybe a little bit older, was just like walking around and curious about him. And he was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, get it away from me. <laughs> it was hilarious. So I'm like, this little female is going to run the house. Like she is going to run all over them just because they're very careful with small dogs, which I love. Yeah. I think it's a great thing, but it'll be funny. Well, it's a good thing he's scary looking, too. I mean, that helps people coming by and things like that. Oh, you know, you want yeah. to be scary looking, but he probably looked at you and said, Mom, don't tell nobody. I know. Yeah, don't tell anyone I'm actually really scared of them. I'm just going to sound yeah. very brave. That's usually the case, though, because my, my little dog, he's, like, fearless. He actually will bite you. But my big dog that passed away, he was real you could count on his bark. You know what I mean? Like, if he was yes. barking, oh, it was yes. a serious situation. But if he yeah. wasn't and he was just chilling, you didn't have to worry about anything. But the little yeah. dog, oh, he's just all bark. He you just have to ignore him. I'm just here to talk. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because they think they're bigger than what they actually oh, are. Oh, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Rogue has very specific. I mean, Maverick, our mix, he kind of has different barks. But Rogue, like, until he knows that he knows you, you get this big, deep bark. Like, it's scary. And then as soon as, you know, you come up to the door or he recognizes someone, it immediately turns into this, like, extremely high-pitched, like, oh, my God, I'm so excited you're here, bark. Aww. It changes so much. It's so funny. Oh, And they, well, and German Shepherds look like, so 
German Shepherds look a lot like the, I'm going to say this wrong, Belgian Malamars. I know yes, I said that yes. wrong. Yes, No, you're right, Malamars. <laughs> but they are nowhere near as, like, the Belgian Malamars are, like, super, 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 super hyper. Yeah. But German Shepherds are just as, um, they're active, attacked, but, like, yeah. like, so, uh, I mean, the Malinois are, like, super well-known for being military and police dogs because and like bomb dogs and the shepherds are too but i feel like the mountain walls more so they are so driven and so high energy and yeah. so smart that like they just like almost to a neurotic level yeah. and i don't know enough about like the specific difference in breeding but whereas i feel like the shepherds i mean don't get me wrong he was not a terror as a puppy but he was a handful and had a lot of energy they're really smart um, they're very smart. It's just I feel like they don't have, like, the neurotic that yeah. the Malinois have, which makes those dogs very good at their actual job. Yeah. Less good at being a pet. <laughs> right. But German Shepherd, you kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah. you have yes. a protective kind of attack dog if need be, but you also right. have a big baby that, you know. Yes. He's a great. He's chill out. He's been, he's been a great pet because he's so smart. I mean, he was hard work. And, yeah. we. I mean, thankfully, we live on a farm, so he gets his energy out. But he he makes a great pet. He's just, I mean, like, I swear he could talk sometimes when I look at him and I say something. He, like, turns his little head at me. And I'm like, you just understood exactly what I said. Oh. They do become like little human friends. I don't oh, care what yeah. anybody says, man. I like, I mean. You know, if you're around, like, my little Ozzy, he's literally known me his whole life, mm -hmm. you know, so I can't blame him when he doesn't really, he just, he's, it's my fault because I really didn't socialize him that good, which I'm not very mm -hmm. <laughs> social myself, but right. they're like little humans. When you grow yes. up with them and you just know oh, yeah. them like that, I mean, you know, some people think, oh, well, it's just a pet. It's not that big no, of a no, deal. No. Okay, well, you're not no. me. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, so... Growing up, I had outdoor dogs, and then when I was in high school, we got our first, like, indoor dog, and that was the first dog I got, which is crazy because I'm an animal person, but that I got really, really attached to, and I remember, I think I had my first anxiety attack when he passed away, and oh. then I was talking to my mom about it um, when Oakley, my female, passed away last year, and she read, I don't know where she read it, like, an article somewhere about how losing a dog is can be harder than losing a spouse even just because like of how they rely on you and how they're next to you all day every day like they cannot live without you they couldn't even live a day with them you have to feed them you have to let them in and out and it's something about that like unspoken relationship and how much time that you spend with them that it it can like psychologically be more challenging than losing a spouse and I was like 100 percent she died and I didn't get out of bed for two days like it was miserable <laughs> Well, it's a loyalty that you can't find mm -hmm. in humans, and yeah. I'm I'm oh, just yeah. being honest. Like it's just a, I'm not saying humans aren't capable of it. I'm not. I'm just saying like, you can't find that a oh, dog no. will not leave you. No, you're right. No, it's they so love true. you unconditionally, and it's mm -hmm. like, I agree with whatever, whatever she sent you, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I firmly, I can see that for sure. Yeah. They're the is, best. Be they should live so much longer. <laughs> right. They should. And I still don't understand the whole dog year perspective. I, I know. But I don't know Terrible. how many years it technically is to human years. But not yeah. Enough. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That just happened to me. And I'm like the type of person where 
I do best when I kind of push it deep, deep down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And don't bring it up again because if I do, I'm just going to melt like a oh, yeah. little girl. And oh, yeah. Because it hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Like, I mean, when I was in the middle of it, I was like, I've never, I've lost family members. I Like, I have never felt this pain before that you can't ignore. Or So someone sent me this analogy. It's actually a really good friend of mine who knew my dog. And she's like this. She said, I lost my friend, and this analogy helped me get through it. And it was a picture of a square with, like, a giant red circle in it. And it was called your pain button. And it said, when something like this is so new, there's nothing you can, you can do to avoid hitting that pain button. Like everything hits it. You just can't yeah. escape it and it feels miserable. And then over time, the pain button just gets smaller. And so when something hits it, it hurts just as bad, just as deep. It's just as raw, but more time passes between each time the button gets hit. And I'm like, okay, okay. Like, it was just one of those things where it's like you just, and I tell, I feel like I've had a lot of friends lose dogs in the past year, and I, was, I tell everybody that. I'm like, I promise you for at least a solid week, you feel like you can't live. Like, you feel like right. you just can't deal with it. But it gets better in the sense that you can live with time in between how bad it hurts. Still hurts, still going to bring you to your knees, but the time in between those painful moments definitely gets bigger. Yeah, it's easier to, I guess, accept it and yeah. file it away per se. Yep. It's probably probably not a healthy thing that I do. But, but Hey, but that's a skill. Sometimes I cannot file things away, and I wish I could. <laughs> well, it's not – I guess it's like a, um, you know, life goes on, and it's like, you know – if I if I let myself access that emotion, it's going to take me longer to get out of it than yeah, if I just yeah. try to avoid it for a certain Absolutely. degree. Does that make sense? Hey, it's survival, right? It's what we have to do to survive. <laughs> right, right. You're like, you know what? I know what's going to happen if I go down that road. So let's yep. just not turn right now. Let's just yep. put our blinders on, and we can deal with it at some point in time. Because right, you know, and I think that's just knowing what you need because there are some people who need to face it and deal with it all right now and get it all out and then they're over it and it's fine you know and some people are like I never ever 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 want to think about it I'm going to put it in the closet and that's what they need so I think it's just knowing who you are and being I don't know being able to deal with it that way no you're no you're absolutely right I have learned that as I've gotten older when I was younger I really didn't understand that concept of what you're saying but you're very right a lot of people choose to deal with the same things different ways you know Mm -hmm. and you know, being able to know that about people, I think, can help sometimes in business or in life in general or yes. relationships, you know. It yes. took me a while to figure that out. Not everybody and to not, things. And to not project how you are on other people. Like, I feel like that kind of taps into the love language thing. Like, yeah. you know, if if I'm a processor and someone else is a shutter-outer, like, I can't expect them to process things just because I want them to. You know, they need to deal with it their own way, and I can deal with it my own way, and you can't expect it to be different, essentially. But, yeah, yes, like, right. I mean, I yeah, think that I feel like personal relationships, business relationships, you know, especially business, because you have to, I mean, like with me, I, and I mean, I guess what you do, too, like, I work for you at the end of the day, so I have to be careful 
not to let myself react a certain way and treat a client how I want to handle the situation, but know how they need the situation to be handled. It's very hard to do. Like, I still feel like I'm struggling with that, but you are exactly right because it, it, it's not a uh, – I don't want to say it's a negative thing. It's more or less of realizing, like, okay, they're not you. It's okay. You're trying right. to figure it out. And social media makes it harder with the whole I context know. ordeal and messaging yeah. and everything. So, um, But I totally agree with you. Yeah, you're right. Trying to master that's a, a skill for sure. Oh, absolutely. Because it's not only being good at your business. It's now like being a part-time psychologist. <laughs> like, How do I assess what they need and how to handle this situation and make sure that I approach it correctly and every single one of them is different? You're right, yes, because I have done bad approaches and I have done good approaches, but, you know, you learn from all of them and try to do better the next time. Yep. Hey, that's all we can do, right, is learn that and is try. All you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I know that you have to go because I know you're a super busy lady, and I'm just super, I'm excited that you took the time to talk to me. Yeah, sure, thanks for, for asking me. I'm honored. Yeah, and to learn a little bit more about all of this, because Rainers have always been, like, a little fascination of mine. Like, how do y'all do that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to. Where are you exactly? I'm in North Carolina. Okay. I was going to say you'll have to come out sometime and watch or ride. I don't know. Are you close? Where in North Carolina are you? I'm, like, in the Piedmont. I'm north of Greensboro. I'm probably, Tennessee is, like, depending on where you're at in Tennessee, is anywhere from four to six hours away. Okay, I'm trying to think of anyone that would be close to you, but nothing I else. I know they have shows there. You have to go watch and immerse oh, yourself. It's awesome. We have nothing in North Carolina, and I'm not really? counting anybody in North Carolina, but we really don't have a lot of uh, big events or good events in North Carolina. Yeah. You really got to travel if you want to show, but yeah, um, I do need to come out. <laughs> yes, you should. I mean, I feel like, especially with everything that you do and – all of the businesses that you work with, I feel like, I mean, as a vendor, too, it would probably be really beneficial. A lot of people have, have asked me to come to shows or asked me if I'm going to come set up in shows, and I have not done it for the sheer reason that embroidery, I think a lot of, um, it's hard to, I know people do it, and I've seen people do it. I grew up showing like that hard to do on the lady. spot. Yeah, it's hard to do it all on the spot. If yeah. I did that, I would want to be able to just, like, do – I would just want to be able to talk to people and meet people and yeah. say, hey, this yeah. is my business, blah, blah, blah. More and promotional. Kind of, yeah, and then deal with possibly orders or things like that at a at mm-hmm. a later date because it would be hard to take all of that. And these machines are heavy. They're, like, 300-plus right. pounds. So yeah. to take all of that and set it up. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it would be great, though, like, for you to – just promotionally, like, go establish more relationships and get to see it. You know, it's, I don't, I don't know. I think that it would be fun and it would be a great place to just kind of be like, hey, look at me, look what I do, and look at the horse industry that I support. I think you're right. I need to try to do that because I've, I've actually thought about it. I've thought about it and wanted to do it a couple of times yeah. over the last couple of years. I just haven't, it just got busy and, you know, right. the time yeah. to actually go and do all that stuff. So I just didn't yeah. end up doing it. But I wish you plan it for 2024. It'd be cool to be I'll send you, you my show spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, send it to me. Out there. I could come cheer y'all on. I'll be oh, yes. in the cheering section. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, but I'm going to let you go. And, again, thank you so much. And as soon